millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Hey, hey, welcome to Playboys Extra. Dean joined by there. PJ and Playboy Alex. Yeah. Hi. Uh, guys, which player are we, we are. PJ, which player are we reviewing today? We're reviewing Historia de una Escalera, also known as Kaida no Monogatari. That is the Spanish and Japanese for The Story of a Staircase by Antonio Buero Vallejo. I like that you give her. Two names that no one will really understand. And, yeah, so uh, history of a staircase. <laughs> story of a staircase. Well, a story of a, a staircase. Story. story of a stairway. Like, it has so many names in English. <laughs> yeah. It's, you know what? It's actually kind of impossible to find. Um, literally impossible to find that I was not even able to uh, read it. Oh, no. <laughs> oh, no. That's, yeah. that, that's the end of the review, guys. Uh, no, it's not the end of the review. Stop right there. Halt, I say. For Alex, he's the most important member of the group here and the clan because Alex and I saw this play being produced. Bit of background story, guys. I love this play. I grew up in Spain and um, I just found it in in the library. Loved it. And then a few years later, when I met Alex in Japan and it was our thing really to see plays, I said, I, I was looking out and then I saw, oh my God, Kaida no Monogatari. That means the story of a staircase. It can't possibly... Oh, yes, but then it was. It was this Spanish play being produced in Tokyo by um, very young actors, very experimental kind of troupe. And it was a great experience. Really loved the production. So that's Mm -hmm. why I said again, okay, guys, let's review now all together, three of us. Mm -hmm. Uh, But I was unfortunately couldn't find a copy. We could all get it in English. Somehow, an English copy does not exist, nor an English production. And nor even a production with some summaries longer than three sentences. Um, So I feel very bad for like having to leave, basically. I can't really add much, but I do say, do you have to say it is a very enjoyable experience? Just a very quick summary of my thoughts. Like, I. I felt when I saw the production, like it is a, van- a very Spanish like mm. way of, that these Japanese people were portraying the characters, which was mm. really cool to see. Um, yeah, I I really had a wonderful time watching it. Um, this was one of the few right. that PJ and I got to see while we were in Japan, and we almost didn't yeah. see it because, uh, well, we were running late and, yeah, and deciding like, that do sounds we like really PJ want to pay. Do we really want to pay that much for this show? And we, oh yeah, it was, it was more expensive in the end. Yeah, it was definitely. Yeah, that's right. I was, I was, I was literally running from metro station to metro station. I think you were there more or less in time. But I was really late. Yeah, and yeah, it, and it was three times more expensive than it was shown on the internet. And then we just went for it anyway. And it was a most amazing production. And you're right, it was really Hispanic. I found the mm. acting. And the play itself was so well the, done. I just the set looks just yeah. like what oh. you would see in any other performance. It was really, really cool. And so, so Alex, that's something yeah. I wanted to ask you while we have you just for these few minutes is about yeah. the set because when I'm reading this play, I'm picturing that the set is essentially just a metal staircase and and, and people walking up and down. Or how elaborate so, was it? It wasn't too elaborate. Not as elaborate as some of the ones I've seen in the States, for example, but you had three doors up a level and a staircase that came down, of course. And then I think there were just a couple, like maybe like a bench down there as well. And you could kind of run around the staircase as if it were like a spiral staircase or something. It it, uh, It was pretty basic, but yeah, that's kind of how, how I felt it would be, yeah. It was still it was still dominantly 
Uh, I, I do have a, a picture. They weren't happy of me taking a, a quick oh, photo. They were, not. Um, hmm. they were not happy. So I'm not sure if I can share it with, with everyone, but I can sh- I, I'd like to show you it, Alex, because in, in my memory, it was still very dominantly a staircase. The, literally, the staircase is very dominant. Like, like Dublin is very dominant. In, in yeah. it's, it's really mm-hmm. what it's about. And I think compared to the play, I have to say, um, it, ha- it was a bit more liberal about the outside of the staircase as if like there was some pavilion some some yeah. things around the staircase that's not in the play though i just want to say Alex. Okay, that's okay. not in the play in the play literally just inside the staircase so but it gives uh, it, it's something more, for the, slightly more it yeah. gives something for the actors to connect themselves to when they're talking to someone yeah. on stage if you just have a staircase where does the other actor stand other than just in the middle of nowhere yeah, yeah. So you gotta have yeah. some corners. You gotta block your corners, basically. Uh, yeah, it was, if you're doing it the was cleverly done. It was, it was kind of like Vallejo didn't think it through properly, technically, and then other people just sort it out a bit how to do it a bit mm-hmm. more natural. Yeah, because the other actors could just kind of rest Dean outside the staircase, kind of right. you know, whatever cleaning. I think some of them were and dusting away and stuff like that. That's fair. Love it. Right. Well, shall we get stuck in, Alex? Shall we? Shall we kick you off? Yeah, I I have uh, some other books, boys, stuff to look into, as in uh, finding some old videos for you guys. So. <laughs> yes, thanks. <laughs> and you should be joining us for a very special treat. Uh, we yeah. we finally start our our Greek stuff just in a well, in a week's time. So we're gonna well a week for us uh, for you maybe later. Oh yeah. Oh well, yeah. Miscellaneous period of time for you. <laughs> Exactly. Tis an atemporal issue, guys. Don't worry about it. Right. Later, what does it matter now? I look forward to hearing uh, your thoughts yeah. when the episode comes out. All right, sir. Yeah, thanks for Fairly joining us. Well. Fairly have well. A, have a Hispanic day. He's gone. <clears throat> I was going to say, Happy Merry Christmas, but I think that's way. That's, that's it's a gone. bit too atemporal now. It's, We're not it's, yeah. It's done. It's beyond it, guys. Get over it. Christmas is not coming for another 11 months. You can start singing in two months' time. So, Historia de una Escalera. Antonio um, Guero Vallejo. Yeah. Guys, let's get to it. And you've reviewed this. You've reviewed the foundation, the really long, like, a few hundred pages long. Play, yeah, the foundation. I did it with Mireya. It was very long. Now, I'm going to just caveat this. I liked this play, but I don't think it has a patch on the foundation. The foundation has right, massive okay. twists in it that you don't see coming. This play doesn't. This is the more straightforward play. Right. So, although I really liked it, I just don't think it's as good just for that one reason, you know. Well, well, I mean, let's get to it. I mean, you know, in the Spanish edition, sorry guys, there seems to be only Spanish edition at the moment, but we're hoping to get this a popular play by produce by producing an episode. Uh, you know, it's it starts off with. Um, Kind of a quote, by the way, when it mentions uh, the master of your edition has it. Yes, the Lope de Vega quote is it, or um, no, it's a Mikeas uh, quote. It won the Lope de Vega. Ah, sorry, Prize. I'm misreading. It won the Lope de Vega Prize, but the quote is by Mikeas. You're right. Yes. So it's like because uh, the so it's, the quote is something like this: the son um, dishonors his father, the daughter goes up against her mother, the. Um, the uh, sorry, the daughter-in-law against the mother-in-law, and the enemies of the man are in his ho- own home. Nice. So I find that quote very relevant for wow. me because that's the whole play. It, it sh- it, yeah, it sets the scene for the play, guys. It's the domestic tension. Would you uh, believe play, that this is any- the first time I've read that? I I skipped it. Right. Okay. Yeah. No. To be honest, I don't think I read it the first time I read it. I read it just this time I particularly struck out to me and I just remember it throughout the play because I thought right this is a very Pope's kind of view of humanity which um which I get back to because the ending yeah there's something about the ending I want to mention in contrast to this beginning but it starts off like that very oh heavy kind of all right this is going to be you get a feeling that this is what's going to be about um domestic issues domestic violence even but anyway, let's just start with a setting. It is set all in a staircase, right? Uh, yeah. There are actually four rooms. They're meant there are one, two, three, four Roman Roman numbers. And that's pretty important. Uh, did you find, Damien, before we start the story, did you find that confusing at all ever trying to remember which characters lived in which room? 
Honestly, I didn't really try. Okay. They just appear, they talk. It didn't it didn't seem to matter to me which room they came out of. Maybe I missed something because of that, but no, no worries, because having read it twice and seen it uh, once in Japan, I must say that's the one thing that I found annoying. Seeing it was easy. Reading it, I was constantly having to re uh, like go back because I did want to know. I, I thought it's quite important, actually, because it changes sometimes in as time goes by where yeah. people live and what room and different relationships. I just found that's the one thing I have was to play to start off with uh, that I find a bit confusing. But so, you want to start anyway, Dean. What's so? What's the plot? Well, I just want to. Yes, the overall thing is we are we are looking at human lives, but sort of depressing human lives. And this is quite. Mm. It is quite Spanish, you know. I've seen even retro style Spanish movies with a similar type of vibe. It's just yeah, it's yeah. the vibe. This kind it of post war really. Spanish vibe that they just have. But they're living in this shabby it's old apartment building with, as you say, these kind of four rooms. And um, and to be very specific, though, to be very specific, post Spanish Civil War, they they were never really in the Second sorry, World War. Yeah, yeah, of course, of course. No, no, but it's very important because the Spanish they have a very specific, particular aesthetic after the Civil War, which is very kind of extremely negative, to be yeah. honest. And then Franco comes along, so there's very kind of much, yeah, just like lower class talking about this real struggles that they can't exit at all or can't progress at all. So that's the kind of view at the yeah, time. and it's these these poor people essentially struggling to get by and pay their you know bills and things and get food on the table. But it's also about the relationships between them, and also just that they can't yeah. really escape. They're just kind of stuck in this kind of grimy, same old world, doing the same thing day in day out for forty years. You know, and it it's depressing. <laughs> yeah, and to you know to look back at Ibsen and our and our previous plays or Strindberg. It's got that naturalistic idea of just one setting. But instead of it being a room, it's literally just a staircase. So people exit their homes and whatever happens in the staircase is being told. So it's literally the story of what happens in the staircase. Yes. And people just come out and we get we get essentially snippets of their life over a yeah. over the over, over the period, the duration of their life, essentially. So it's a three-act play, um, and there's there's ten-year time jumps between the first and second act, and then a twenty-year jump between the second and third act. Yeah. yeah. Um, Dramatis Persona, I don't know if we necessarily need to to do it in much depth because we'll just mm-hmm. pick out the people as we we come along. But um, yeah, I think that in this play, you understand why when you read it, it's better to actually talk about as we go. It's got an intense. Dramatic persona. That's what I find confusing. I have to say that is to understand who is everyone. You kind of have to read it as you go along. I think so. Yeah, I, I've never done this before, but I don't feel the need to yeah. list the characters right now. Yeah, yeah, I agree. Okay, so opening act, we open with just a bit of a description of the, which we've kind of already covered of you know what the the place looks like, and there's a cobrador. So there's a collector, and um, he only appears in this one kind of scene. But he's going around trying to collect money for the the lighting bills, and yeah. you know he essentially just acts as he essentially just acts as a troop to bring the characters out from the rooms. That's it. He doesn't have any other thing. So he, he has to just uh, yes. you know everyone has to pay the light light electricity bill. So they all come out bit by bit, and we establish immediately who they are. Yeah, so his storyline purpose is collecting the money, but his real purpose for us is that he's letting us meet the characters one by one by knocking on their door and bringing them out of their room, essentially. It's a good plot device, actually. So, you know, the first person we have is Paca. um, We have also Elvira and Doña Asuncion. She only appears, I think, in Act 1, but she can't afford to pay her, her bill. And um, a friendly chap called Don Manuel, the father of Elvira, actually pays it for her. Now, they some people kind of mince their words a little bit with her later, but I think that, you know, she was being very genuine. She couldn't afford to pay the bill. The guy says, oh, you're always doing this. And Don Manuel pays it because I think he's a very nice, honorable gentleman. And, you know, he makes his daughter Elvira proud. But later there's a comment where it's kind of like, oh, you know, 
she could have paid the bill, but she's kind of like, oh, hi, Don Manuel. She's almost flirting. Like, and she's like, oh, your daughter's so pretty. Yeah. Oh, by yeah. the way, I can't pay my bill. You know, I don't think that well, was the intention. Donya Asuncion is a widow and she's got a child, uh, a grown-up child now called Fernando, who's a, who's a good looker. And yes, she's basically asking Don Manuel and, her, and his daughter, uh, Elvira, um, basically not kind of asking for the money, but just kind of saying it's very difficult, kind of, yeah, indirectly. See, I don't think maybe she asks. Yeah, I think that she is just kind to them and then they offer to help her because their kids yeah. like each other, you know? But maybe I'm wrong. Maybe she was a bit more pointed. Could be. You know, I, I think it's more on the on the gender uh, side. And the other two neighbors, they they do gossip about her. So Asuncion is the maybe the poorest in this situation. Yeah. Whereas Don Manuel Evira, they're the only ones that are they're they're a bit socially above than the others. Um, and the other and the others then would gossip then about Don Asuncion. So yeah. And Don Asuncion, that- Fernando. Are, are the hardest put at the moment. Yes. That's very important. They mentioned that Don Manuel does have a bit of money because he used to work in kind of business kind of work, negocios and that kind of thing. Um, mm. Early on, I really, really like Elvira. What were your early thoughts on her? Yes. Yeah. Yes, uh, I must say I really liked her. And uh, even though I've seen this once and read this once before, I, I still liked her at the beginning. And she seemed like a genuine girl who's uh, who's in love with Fernando. So it's quite clear from the beginning she's in love with Fernando, who's maybe a few years older than him. And she kind of wants her dad to ask Fernando to work for him. She's hoping that, you know, ideally that Fernando works for him and then they fall in love and have a happy family. Yeah, and it seems so very sweet, actually. She seems like, like a that. very nice person. Yeah. Yeah. And her father's nice, but he's re- he's reluctant to quite yeah. go as far as she wants. But he still gives the money for the lighting and things. And I think he's a he's a good chap as well, you know. Yeah, he kind of gives it, but he thinks um, he's constantly mentioned Fernando might be a lazy a lazy bum. That's, and Fernando uh, is is portrayed as an as an kind of idealist, isn't he? As a as a dreamer and a thinker, I suppose as well. But a dreamer, but he doesn't keep a steady job. That's true as well. That is a fact as well. So he does have his reasons for maybe not trusting this guy 100%. He's a bit worried. And what I always, what I do forget sometimes when reading this play is that this play was written in the 1940s, but it is set about 30, 35 years before that. So it must be uh, the beginning of 20th century. Right. I forget that, actually. Yeah. It's only at the end where we're actually in the present moment of that time, 1940s. That's true. That's right. I forgot that. So we, we, get, no, some, I forgot that too. we get some immediate gossiping, some of the other characters, you know, Rosa and Trini, and they they are gossiping and actually insulting um, yeah. Elvira. And they, they call her a lagartona. Do you want to uh, translate that word in a polite way? It's, it's like a big big lizard, isn't it? I suppose. never thought what it meant, actually. Like big lizard, I suppose. Well, yeah. So, um... I looked it up. Uh, it's essentially they're essentially calling her a prostitute, essentially. Right. I actually wasn't sure about that. That was just big lizard. <laughs> <laughs> but it's not really a word. Um, you I've never seen it used before. It. I've never, never seen oh, anyone no. use that word before. <laughs> so yes, especially Paka, who's a maybe one of the more important characters because she is one of the more. Yeah, I, I could have also guessed that she is uh, the hardest character and also the hardest to die. You'll see later why. Yeah, and uh, she insults and she just wants to. She's very interested in gossip, and but again, she acts as a kind of uh, yeah, as a, as a troop. Um, to kind of talk about the characters a bit more and so we learn a bit more about the characters. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So now Dona Asuncion's talking to Fernando about he's working in this paper shop, but it looks like he's kind of slacked off and she's asking why he's in a bad mood. And already we see he is kind of lazy. He hasn't bothered to go into work today. So Fernando, yes. Uh, Fernando has a friend, Urbano. Now, in the first act, I like both of these guys. And I like their vibe together. They're sneaking out for a cigarette together. They're having a chat. They're giving each other a bit of advice about work and the ladies and just life in general. And I thought they're a good pair of lads. I kind of I like them at the they beginning. They grew up together. They grew up together. Yeah, they grew up together. But even though it's clear though that they haven't had so many chats lately, so their friendship isn't quite what it used to be. Even at Act One, 
And just so you know, guys, Urbano, so it's a bit of a play in words that he's an urban kind of worker. And he is that kind of worker person. He's talking about syndicates, work rights. This is the very early 20th century right now. And he's kind of like saying um, they both have aspirations. Fernando, a bit more on the romantic side. And then Urbano says, well, I'm going to work for the people. I'm going to give freedom for everyone. And we're going to revolutionize this. And yeah, so they're both aspiring chaps. Fernando is always just kind of saying he's got various projects in the works, but that's it. Like nothing ever happens. Nothing ever materializes. You know, he has ideas. And that's it. Yeah. Um, yeah, so that's for that. But um, they talk, you know, to each other. They are friends, as you say. Maybe they haven't been, been friendly too much lately. I might be skipping ahead slightly, but just to give you an idea of their vibe. One of the things Fernando often says is he'll throw someone down the hole through, in, in of the stairs, yeah. you know. And at one point, um, Urbano actually says, don't you realize that, um, you know, you've never done that and you never could do that. Like, that's your idle threat. So that's another thing about Fernando. Fernando says that through Urbano, you know. Yeah. So, exactly. Uh, so all throughout the play, guys, uh, what these two talk about, they will repeat what they say. And it will also be said against them. Oh, very often. That's very common. So, like, a few characters will say, well, you said that. And then again, Act 3, well, you said that 10 and 20 and 30 years ago. So, it's um, the whole play, in fact, has very repetitive themes and issues going on. And it's kind of like, no, no, no one can ever escape the staircase, doesn't matter what generations happen. Just, just a bit of force. Don't want to spoil anything. Yeah. But So, now enter <laughs> Urbano's sister, uh, Rosita. Rosa. He's got two sisters, but first was he enters, yes. Mm-hmm. And she comes in and has a has a chat with the guys. She's a little bit of a cockhead, right? Uh she likes she likes to flirt. Just a little bit of a little bit of flirting um initially, but she argues a little bit with, with Paca as well. I'm just trying to find the next important um point because there is a lot of dialogue throughout the play but not all of it is um so so rosita is she's she's flirting but not seriously she's really in love um she's really in love with uh, paco right is that his name paco and just getting the persona pepe pepe thank you so pepe is now i gotta make this some clear about this so pepe and rosa are in love yes pepe is the older brother of another girl called carmina and Carmine and Fernando is in love with Carmina. And Carmina is the, the real problem is, Now, the problem is, guys, uh, this is very confusing if you don't have the trans persona. But just to step back a bit, Urbano is also in love with Carmina. That's the issue. But Fernando knows this. It's implied that he knows this. So that this whole conversation about that, that they talk about it, who they might be in love Urbano is hoping that it's not Carmina because he's in love with Carmina. But Fernando is in love with Carmina. It becomes obvious. Now, what Carmina thinks is not clear at the moment. We just know that Rosa is with Pepe. That's clear. There's Trini, who's the sister from Rosa and from uh, Urbano. Yeah. Exactly, yes. But she doesn't have um, any... She doesn't do a lot. Any love interest at the moment, I think. So it's a bit bit, confusing, I suppose. Um, but what happens then is basically that Pepe um, seems to be another kind of um, man representation so he's someone who in act one at least seems to have a good job and some high aspirations and a bit more conservative doesn't he Dean? He seems more the conservative class I feel of man yeah. than the other two I, I, can't romantic, really, I can't very well remember my early thoughts of Pepe because I think I, I hate him by the later acts and that just totally discolored my you know I can't even remember how I yeah. felt about him in act one you know well um, Urbano just is redefining with Pepe and says well if you, if you mess around with my sister because I know who you are and that you're a messer um, I'm going to throw you, I'm going to throw you down the stairs, throw you down the gap between the stairs, right? That's what he keeps saying over and over again. And um, yeah, when that goes down, yeah, you're uh, right. Fernando Sorry, it's Urbano who says that. Yeah, yes, exactly. And Fernando is then left at some point by himself. And when Carmina uh, appears, they have a moment for themselves, and Fernando announces that he um, 
he still loves her and that they all oh, oh, supposedly they were maybe flirting as as children or or like that they were yeah. a pair as as children before and he says that he would do anything to be with Carmina and Carmina says well what about you know Vera what about your girlfriends because he's a bit of a Don Juan um, is, but, Fernando. But if I may just pause you because you skipped what is for me the best moment of the whole play is okay, when Elvira comes out and, and she I imagine her as just this happy little skipping girl with a little ribbon in her hair, mm. you know, and she says, let's go buy a book. Would you like to come with me? I have to buy a, a gift oh, yeah. for someone. And she asks Fernando to accompany her to the bookshop. And he just like initially pretends not to see her. And then he talks to her and he kind of won't make con- you know eye contact. And he's just kind of like, no, I'm busy. Mm. I can't go with you. And I thought he's being really unpleasant to this poor, poor girl who clearly likes him. And mm. just, you know, um, but then we start to see the bad parts of Elvira as well because they argue and they have quite a strong argument. And then it's really only after that that we see him going back and talking with Carmina again. Yeah, so sorry. So like um, he seems to not reciprocate her, her affections at all and is really rude to her, you're right. Which is a shame. And then afterwards, and then afterwards uh, this, with Carmina happens where he says that he will work hard, he would, they will have a happy life together and so and so. And it ends with Act One ends with him needing over to kiss her and then spilling a bottle of, of milk, right? So which Carmina just brought up, yeah. And they're just staring shocked at the at the at the milk and the curtains fall down. What do you think of Act One? Actually, what do you think uh, Vallejo particularly wanted that to happen at the end of Act One? I wasn't sure why that happens at the end, to be honest. I don't. Uh, do you have a Do you have a take on that? I, I just okay. kind of read it and, and I mean, didn't really think about it. Yeah, I mean, like you know, I I don't take the Freudian view, which was be obviously that he that he pre ejaculated. You know, I, I find it very amusing these Freudians coming up with yeah, those theories. Yeah. It might be. You know, <laughs> well, it is the Leche. Yes, that but, means a bit um, more in well, Spanish I, than it does in English, actually. Yes, that's what I mean. Like it does seem like <laughs> Freud is a good argument for that. I'm not just saying that's a joke. But I think it's actually I don't think Vallejo's going Freud. I don't think he's no, necessarily no, like no, the intellectual, so. intellectual kind of author some other more pretentious would do. I think it's just simply uh, milk is hard to um clean off. It's not water. So I think the point is that they've just broken something and they won't be able to get rid of this right. rupture, whatever it is. So it's not quite I don't think it's as metaphorically um, it's, I don't think it's very metaphorical. I just think it's the noise and the fact that they just broke something is already like the bad sign yeah. for things to happen. Basically, and it does, right? It's not a pleasant thing at all. No. For the Cl- viewer. Cl- closing the lines of this, of this act, they each ask each other, Fernando and Carmina, about their other girls. So yeah, we know that Fernando's been a bit of a playboy, so she asks him about that. She asks about Elvira, and he actually says, I, I, I detest her. And Carmina, mm. who I don't like it, I, I never liked her. She was the coquette. She was not the nice really girl com- like compared with Elvira. Didn't like oh, her no, the first minute. Oh, that's interesting. I disagreed. I, I didn't oh, have okay. anything against Carmina. I liked Elvira. Oh. I thought she was the kind of nice, pure girl. But anyway, so Carmina says, well, I also hate her, you know. So they initially are able to bond on that. And also he says, well, now let me ask you, what about Urbano? And she's like, yeah, she jokes mm. then. She says, oh, he's a great guy. I'm crazy for him. She never actually gives a real answer. Um, but But they... You know, as you say, they go in for a kiss or whatever, and they they finish the scene where they're together, presumably. All right, yeah, uh, but it one. doesn't work out. That's the whole thing. That's what. We find that's out what in the, act two. We find out in act two that obviously they're not together. Ten years have passed, and someone has died. So there is a funeral taking place, and it is uh, indeed it is her. Um. It is Carmina's and Pepe's dad who dad, just died. Yeah. Exactly. So we've got... Um, is that right? Yes. Yeah, it's their dad. Yes, uh, exactly. Dad. We also find through the gossip that's happening. Through, so, I mean, it's all very good scenes for gossip, isn't it? Staircase, um, someone, um, for example, dying at the funeral. So we also find out that a few things have happened. Um, that Doña Asuncion is, has passed on. She's gone. Fernando's yeah. mother, as well as Evira's dad, who was who seemed Manuel, to be in very good health. Yeah. Manuel, who also died, sadly. Uh, so that's very important. And just Carmina's dad just died now. So, yeah. 
We do uh, have a basically new everyone else. Though. We have Senor Juan. Yeah, Senor Juan, who is um, who was there before, just didn't appear. He is um, he is Rosa and Trini and um, Urbano's dad. Yes. he is the husband of Paca. So yeah, that's the thing. Yeah, he's not new as in he's a new arrival. He just doesn't appear in the first uh, in the first act, but he's he appears now in the second act. Exactly. So what do you think of um, scene two? I mean, there is less story, fine, to be than, this than is scene the quickest, one in some sense. This is the sense. quickest of I mean, the three scenes, isn't it? Yes, exactly, yeah. So I just I find it. that it could be somewhere... No, I go great, great. But I mean, the whole point of the whole... I find act two is just about what relationships now exist so that nothing turned out the way it was supposed to, right? Yeah. Although Pep and Rosa, as we just mentioned, they flirted heavily in Act One, where they are now together, but it's not going well at all. So Pep, from the conservative class, is now being a bit of a dandy in extremis. So he's, he's just coming drinking home drunk. and and uh, with yeah. girls and all this kind of thing, and just coming home to get fed by by Rosa. So their their relationship is going uh, horribly. And they live in what used to be Fernando's uh, apartment. So it's also one apartments one, two, three, four are quite are different, at least two of them. So does the whole play plays around his rooms changing? Mm-hmm. Because now in Fernando's home lives just two people n- not related to him at all. It's just Rosa is living with Pepe unhappily. Uh, Trini is still single, but Fernando is not with Carmina. No, Fernando was actually with Elvira. Now, initially, I was happy because I thought this is what I wanted. This was the this is my Romeo and Juliet. I wanted them to get together. She's skipping and buying books, but they are not happy. <laughs> no, it's immediate, and like he didn't. It's obvious then that he didn't. It's right right from the beginning, right? She's kind of insulting him as well. They're kind of avoiding the neighbors as well. Yeah. They kind of want to avoid a funeral procedure. I stop liking her. Him. She becomes a bit of the nagging wife now. She does, yes, but to be for good reasons, I find though. Uh, but she she becomes immediately bitter. It's only ten years later, but and I find though it's a very important time though, right? So I mean, Carmina's dad just died, and it's it might be I feel the just to mention it's I don't feel like she's nagging him all the time. I just feel like after ten years of repressed marriage and he doesn't love her, it's like this is the day maybe that she just can't stand it and it's becoming more of an issue than usual. That's what I feel. I feel like my, I think these mm. are um, important moments of these people's lives in the play, as plays usually are. And anyway, she kind of insults him. She insults him and, and insults his mom and everything. Um, yeah, she does. And she's kind of indicating, why Why didn't you, you know, you're, stu- you're a stupid mom and you are always just in love with Carmina and and you just married me for money. Ironically, she kind of put this on herself, even though she wasn't aware of it. She did kind of force her dad to yeah. establish a better relationship, relationship with her. Kind of like, yeah, she uh, set this yeah, up. Yeah, so ironically, this would never have happened if this, if if uh, Fernando wouldn't have been tempted by money because he obviously he did marry her for money, and he didn't keep his promise. That's why the milk spilled. Everything broke. The promise broke. Mm. Milk, uh, milk. You know, milk is not, um, especially in those days, a cheap commodity. It's expensive. So all his dear, expensive wishes—they just were worth nothing yeah. right at the end of Act One. So who does Can't Carmina end up with then? Well, she ends up with Urbano. Indeed. So, but that happens in Act Two, right? So Urbano immediately um, takes a, finds a moment to say, "Okay, your dad has died." But I don't find this very nice, though, to be honest. Urbana's kind of pretending to be the savior, and he's saying... No, I thought, well... Okay, I get it. At the time, I thought it was nice. I know that it changes a bit with Act 3, but at the time, I thought he's oh, comforting her, okay. and he's saying, you know, I, I, I've always loved you, and, and this kind of thing, and they get together. Because I was worried. I thought, oh, my God, they're all incredible. single, and it's been 10 years. Like, this is terrible. Someone's got to get married quickly. We've got to have a love story. So then when he proposes... And she says yes. I thought, like, okay, good, good. All is all is right with the world. Yeah. Well, I think if you're looking for that kind of story, you might be reading the wrong play. I'm just warning <laughs> the reader there. If you're looking for a romantic love story, but um, they do get together in the end. They get together. Act two ends with Act two ends was actually kind of a coincidentally Fernando and Evira standing in front of the door, 
of um, the deceased person's house, house were also Urbano and um, Carmina are now, and they're now a new couple. And the tension, I mean, Vallejo even says in the description for the actors, tension rises, you know. So the tension is high and, you know, tears and 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 kind of, they're not tears, but it's all kind of still repressed. And But there's a lot of tension and ends with that, with mm. Act 2. But listen, also, like also, Urbano keeps saying to her, to um, Camina, you know, Carmina, we'll live together. I'll even bring your mom. We'll, you know, I'll, I'll support you and your mom. I just want you all to have like, oh, yes, he gives, and to be he happy. Gives promises very, he gives promises very similar to what Fernando uh, gave promises to. And it says again in the actor's acting descriptions, she kind of smiles melancholically because she is reminded by someone else saying this. But so it's even like in the actor's descriptions, like to just, it's just like telling the actress to remember what. The actor in scene one said, "And oh yeah, yeah, same story, different different person though." The but other bit story, is what's going on with Senor Juan and his two daughters. He's not a nice chap, is he? Senor Juan, ah, ah look, Senor Juan is worried about Rosita, who's was a very violent man together, and he might be worried about his daughter a bit. But he does give Trini, the single daughter, money. After Trini kind of says, "Please, Dad, give me money," so because Rosita is really struggling financially, and he does give her money. So he's okay. So he he calls his daughter like fair. a slut and a whore. Says he doesn't ever want to speak to her again. He disowns her. She's no longer Indeed, part there, of his family. There, there are a lot of interests. One interesting thing about story of a staircase: the 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 language is very vulgar in the sense of vulgar yeah. being from the people, just just real as well, I suppose. But this is quite people, unusual, I find, for, for the 1940s Spain, but it does become more of a trend in Spanish plays later. Yeah. The problem I have is Rosa's gotten with a guy who's turned out to be no good and who's mistreating her yeah. and, you know, her life is miserable. So rather than being a support network, her father actually places the moral culpability onto her, like as though she should have just known better 10 years ago. Like, what can she, you know, blaming her? No, for, what, what is she meant to do now to fix it? Like, why are you blaming her? What do you expect her to do to fix I it? Think, you know, I think you're interesting, uh, an interesting point, which which will be very clear at the end of Act 3, at the end of the play, which is old generations. You know, you just, it's kind of saying like, I, I think Vallejo, um, talks about that these older generations they can't let go of the past, right? Yeah, he really mentions this a lot, and that the younger generation really should let go and shouldn't carry the old past remorses. And he's being very critical of of, of um, elderly people as well. Which brings us, um, yeah. which brings us to Act Three because there's a big theme in Act Three about about uh, like just being old. Hmm. Um, act three ends. Act three begins twenty years later, right? Yeah, and yeah, and it's essentially the same staircase. I mean, the the landowner is pretty double little kind bit. Of, yeah, painted the walls and yeah, it's probably a pretty nice open little bit, but, but it's not exactly. And Paca enters the mum, right? Uh, the mum from just to clarify again, uh, Urbano, Trini, and Rosa's mum. Somehow she's Paca, still alive. <laughs> Which I, to be honest, I find a bit predictable because it's, I, I thought that was a bit maybe stereotypical, which I find also in kind of a hundred years of solitude, this kind of like Spanish mama that lives to be a hundred. I yeah, find that often yeah. recurring in Spanish and Latin American literature, which is, which is cool. I love the theme. I feel though it's been milked a bit, to be honest, by a lot of Spanish authors because I just keep reading this often. I feel like, well, how, how about having like, just a bit of a different character. Yeah. Anyway. Well, I mean, we, open act, agree, I mean? we open. No, you're you're totally right. We open at three yeah. with um a well two well dressed people, one a little bit younger than the other, and they're just talking very businessy about like what they can do with the with the apartments, and we want to get rid of these old neighbors, and and you know, it's it's very cool. well after after. And to be fair, now the the audience has seen Paca, who's the oldest, and maybe like she says. Um, uh, if I can just go back, sorry, the ending to enjoy. I find she has, to be fair, Paca. I find she has maybe the most philosophical question, and she asks because um, she's not very philosophical. She's gossiping around, but just at the beginning of Act Three, she's just walking up and say, "Oh, I'm so old. I'm so old," and uh, mm-hmm. oh, you know, complaining as usual. And then she asks, like, um, 
Uh, I, I, you know, no me muero ni con polvorones. So I won't die even with like, you know, guns being shot at me and bombs. Mm-hmm. Uh, and now no die. one can. Yes, but that's what I mean. Like, and now that no one listens to me, she says, do I or do I not want to die? Pause. No, I don't want to die. What I want, what I want is to chat with Generosa, Generosa y con Juan, with the people of all the deceased. And uh, yes, and she talks about death. But I find that phrase, to be honest, do I or do I not want to die? It stood out for me. Yo quiero o no quiero morirme? Yo no quiero morirme. And I think that's the reason... But you're you're right. We get that opening little um, monologue from Paca before the well dressed man and the well dressed youth talk about you know things they could do to improve the place. They got rid of all the old neighbors. Um, yeah. Then we we get into the scene in earnest when old Fernando and Elvira, who are now you know thirty years older than they were at the beginning of the place, so they they've aged a fair bit. They go to the door. They open their house and. Their little son, Manolin, uh, answers, and he's 12. It's his birthday. I his hate birthday, him yes. immediately. I hate him so much. Oh, why? He's horrible. Oh, dear, that's very cruel. I, no, the thing is, I don't think he's me at all, but he's kind of like a small Fernando. He immediately just kind of runs off and he goes to the same place where his dad and Urbano used to smoke. And he does. He just smokes as well. But- before that, so they say like, oh, happy birthday. And he says, where are my cakes? And they say, well, you know, cakes are very expensive, but we will have a surprise for you later. And he's just like, no, I want cakes. It's like, how ungrateful. Your parents are working and struggling for money, you know. And then they're like, well, right, come inside. And he's just like, no. And he runs off and he's 12 years old. He's a man now. And he goes to the same little landing where they used to smoke, as you say. And he starts smoking. He's 12 years old. This is highly inappropriate. Yeah. But that is that kind of play. It's a slice of life. It's it's naturalistic. Well, I don't think um, I don't know any twelve-year-olds who smoke. Ah, you'd be surprised in what what goes on in, in the in the non kind of Shakespeare world we live in. You know, I think there's a lot of non-romantic stuff have, happening couldn't there. Couldn't they have just said to him, swap out your cigarettes for a copy of uh, La Regenta, and you know, just well, live it would have made this realistic uh... play into a highly non-realistic <laughs> play, almost a realist play. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> you're kind of play dude you, yeah. you should write the play just you write the play that the way you want it and then you can review it and then love it and that's it that's so, the way to do it while he's out smoking he bumps into old Rosa and Trini who have now become so Pepe is essentially gone he's not dead or anything he yeah. just never comes around and Trini never got married so the, these two women have become two old spinster sisters essentially yeah. and um and they say that they, you know, they wish uh, Manolina happy birthday. And he says, I want to talk to Trini um, without Rosa being around because she's ugly and grumpy. Which is such a horrible thing to say. <laughs> he says that. And then he asks Trini, yeah. would you marry me? And she's like, look, I'm actually an old lady. So no, I can't do that. Because you're smitten. I, I think that scene is, is actually quite beautiful. I think that's a very... No, he's, a mis- he's, a, he's not a well-behaved young gentleman. <laughs> <laughs> I was so shocked. I think we're, I think I we're deviating now to uh, to another podcast, Dean, and uh, and the way young man should be. The well-behaved young gentleman, uh, episode three. Yes. But also, <laughs> they now offer him. They now say to him, "Would you like a cake for your birthday?" And he says, yeah. "No, I don't like cakes. I like cigarettes." After the moral guilt he just made his poor parents <laughs> feel for not being able to afford a cake, and now he doesn't even want a cake. What a terrible little boy. I feel like this is the comedic relief part of this episode right now. Well, this I don't was think the, very for me, this was, the, this was horrible to me. You know, I, I hate this, it. This, this, I, I'm, I'm amused that this disgruntled you more than all the violent <laughs> domestic issues are happy throughout the play, that this, this, this kind of small issue is becoming a big thing. Because he, he, <laughs> he made his, you know, how, how sad must his parents feel? That they can't afford a birthday cake for their child, oh, yeah. and he makes them cool. feel sad and says, "All he wants is the cake." And now he admits to someone else he doesn't even like cake. You know, just oh, the things but, I'm. But, want to you say. know, your your disgruntledness, uh, you know, raises an important issue. Why does Vallejo spend so much time of the play in this seemingly just not important scene? I mean, it is not relevant at all uh, for the plot. So I'm just wondering, what's Vallejo's point here? Is he just demonstrating 
this new new generation that there's something sporting them because to to move on we do um get to know fernando the son and also carmina the daughter fernando so there's carmina but they're already yes but they're adults in the sense of 18 and 21 so fernando being a mm. bit older yeah barely so, adults, but yeah so I'm wondering, does is Manolin supposed to represent the the potentially spoiled new generation, but that the young, but that the generation just before that they might have more hopes, mm. because uh, we we get to know then um, that he's, he's not immediately an ass to his brother, like oh I'm going to tell on you because you're with that girl. I, wait, I don't wait, like wait, skipping ahead. So like Fernando and uh, he doesn't realize that Fernando the son doesn't realize that Manolin is in the shadows, yes. and. It takes opportunity because the daughter from Carmina and uh, Urbano, it happens to be uh, coming up and he takes a chance to tell her that he loves her and that he wants to meet her again. They seem to have been also um, hanging out before that. They have now become a copy of their their um, respective parents, right? The, of Fernando and, and Carmina. Um, exactly. Senior. And uh, Fernando, the son, seems to be a bit more naive, similar to his dad at that point. And I'm just looking through the book. And Carmina does seem to know, not know, but, in, but feel that it's a bit more impossible for a reason she can't explain. Well, I, I prefer her. Fernando here because he just wants to pursue love. And uh, I like that. Yeah, no, no, I, I agree. I think uh, Fernando is maybe the bravest character, you know. And yeah. Carmina too later on, I think, but Luis Fernando there, I love um I love this character. But, but sorry for um, skipping ahead, but we'll just get it out of the way worst. because Manolin stops really being important after this. But I you know he he's if gonna tell his brother and everything, and I just, just a terrible little boy. So are you have you are you finished with your rant about it's you? Hit piece. Uh, the yeah, yeah, you yeah, like to yeah, dedicate yeah. I, he's a, 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 a sharp strike with the with the back of the hand. <laughs> Um, so guys literally parenting. probably the most insignificant character you know one of the most <laughs> insignificant characters in the play but Dean wants to spend a lot of time on him I get it so so um, what happens here is now you see you, you, cop, you, you know now I don't know where we are oh yeah so anyway um, Carmina um, can't be with uh, with Fernando and Fernando keeps pushing and Carmina the daughter eventually admits look I can't uh, my parents read us something against your parents they threatened me. They even hit. They me. hit me. Yeah, and he's quite. He's quite shocked. I, even I was shocked at that point. I wasn't thinking that domestic violence would really issue between kids and parents. I didn't mm-hmm. think it would go that far. But I suppose back in the 1940s, Spain, Franco just being freshly in power, really violent time. So it's mm-hmm. probably even more violent 1940s than 1920s. I would say in Spain. Um, so anyway. Um, that's my little rant about Franco. But look, uh, the, but re- the rest guys, of I this, mean, the rest of the, oh, go ahead, go ahead. And this one to mention, I mean, if you, when you do read Spanish plays, even if this has been translated, just keep in mind, Franco is the main antagonist in all plays. He's the antagonist, even if he's not there, he's between the lines. Just remember that in general, plays written during the dictatorship. If you read uh, Master Margarita by Bulgakov, uh, you know, Stalin's very present between all the, between those mm-hmm. lines. So I just want to mention this is a very this is big, the suppression from the parents mirrors the suppression from Franco, which is recently in power suppressing more right. open-minded people. I think one can forget that this is ultimately also a very political play, and Vallejo was also in prison as well. I think he even wrote this in prison, Dean. I'm gonna, okay. I want to verify that, but he did write in prison. I think that was one of the plays. I think it's one of his first plays, or if not the first play. And so, uh, you know, going against Franco, being in prison, he's obviously talking about this old so, generation that has ultimately want to kill. Some, like. I want to give some moral advice here. So I like that Fernando, you know, because the parents, we we discover in a moment that both sets of parents are against them getting together, right? Yeah, sure. that's the that's it, basically that's Fernandito the is basically saying, "Well, I love you. I want to be with you. I'm gonna. I've got some projects, just like his his dad had, and uh, we'll, yeah, we'll he says and you know, and he's a dreamer, and I that's what we need in the world." Uh, she is kind of like, "Well, I'm a bit scared. My parents have told me not to, so I better do what I'm told." And she's willing to give up on love, um, which I think is a, is a terrible thing. Um, and I I, I don't yeah, I don't well, it's probably simple character, you know. 
I don't know if it's neither thing is a strong card. I just don't think it's it's just, I just think it's a realistic place. It just symbolizes what probably most even progressive women so, still thought that they might can't they probably can't do it in Franco's time. I yeah. don't want to seem a hypocrite, so I want to make this very, very clear. Obey your parents with regards to smoking cigarettes and coming into the house. Do not obey them when they tell you to give up on love. Okay, that's the all right. That's that's where the line is drawn. Okay, that's some solid advice, Tim. Giving those for the kids, I think we can extract that just that advice and also give that to the kids. I love it. Um, so yes, the parents are against it. It escalates in the play in the fact that for a few reasons, uh, yeah, um, they yeah, all I mean, the, kind the, of the parents almost get violent with each other at one point. They uh, the parents do just happen to be at the same time in a staircase. Uh, well, a few different reasons why I won't get into that. Day and yeah, they just sort of escalate. It's been a tense day because really the kids they want to be together. It starts off with Fernando, the small one, uh, small Fernando, rebelling against his dad and then making a bit of a scene. And then okay, and then and then you know um, it goes on with the mom being really upset. The mom is more upset because she's jealous of Vera that there is a Carmina, a small Carmina, and it's being you know history repeats itself. And then Carmina's mom, Carmina Sr., comes out and also shouts and Urbano. And then the parents get violent. The other characters all come out um, that are in the that are in the building. Um, not the new tenants that are kind of the posh ones. I mean the the are our, our tenants from the story. And everyone's kind of fighting against each other, right? And what's important here is that it's never quite revealed what happened, so the kids don't know it. But when everyone leaves, Fernando and um, Rosita, they meet up again. Uh, Carmina, sorry, but Carmina, they meet up. And this, Carmina says, well, look, you see that it can't be. Ya ves que no puede ser. You see, it can't be. And then Fernando, hijo, Fernando, the son says, si puede ser. No te dejas vencer por su sordidez. Don't let yourself be... Um, uh, convinced or beat it up by their by their stubbornness, you know, by their deafness. Actually, is what he's saying. So that they're deaf, they're just you know they're just old. They don't understand. But I will fight uh, to beat this. I will fight for you and for me. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, in a sense, there. I think there. And this is the way it ends, isn't it, Dean? Like that, they're kind of like promising the same thing. And very pointedly, I find the ending is beautiful. Right? The ending is very ending very is good. Just, just, yeah, just, just before you get book. to the ending, allow me one sentence because I just want to say with these parents coming out and arguing things, um, it's it's interesting because it just brings to the fore that the the couples were mismatched to begin with. It should have always been, mm. you know, Fernando with Carmina, yeah. and it, it wasn't. And neither of the two couples love each other, so they've got paranoia and jealousy and bitterness the whole way through, you know, and and suspicion. Um, That's beautifully put. Yeah. And, and I was just, just going to mention that. So. And, and then on to this final point, which is the, uh, well, if you want to go ahead and, and tell us the ending. What? The, well, yeah, they, so they the look, ending, right? Oh, yeah, that, that's my that's my thing. Yeah. So they look at each other with ecstasy, Fernando and Carmina, which doesn't mean the same thing in Spanish. They just look at each other with, with great joy. And they're very close to kissing. And then what happens is that um, Fernando, the, the father who had left in, you know, he was, really depressing he left the building he's just coming back and the mother Carmina is also just uh, opening the door and looking what's going on and they see this their young versions basically their their young their young kids with the same names really like talking about this and talking that they want to get away they want to get from the building they want to get for the tradition they want to get from the repetitiveness um and they see each other basically reflected yeah. and they look at the couple then they look at each other, which they don't do. So this is the first time again in Act Two and Three that ever Fernando Senior and Carmina Senior like they share a moment or even a look. And then they look at the couple again, and then they look at each other for a very long time, and that their looks are filled with melancholy, but that they don't want to spoil the the little bit of the misericordia there, child. yeah. And they go. So this is the thing. Their their partners both were more, you know, super super against this idea. They now see them together, defying the rules, and they just kind of have this melancholic moment where they eventually kind of sigh and walk on, and they don't spoil it. And they they see themselves. Uh, they, they see history repeating. You know. 
Yeah, and it could be just history repeating and same things will happen again. But I personally think that the ending is open. So does history repeat itself? But I think they have learned their lesson that anything don't interfere with use. And that's what happened before. Mm. The dad was was good intenders interfering, say, here, Fernando, you have the job. Uh, Avira was interfering, said, I, you know, I kind of want to be with him. Just let love be, and the they, new so generation knows better. There's a, there's a generational point here. Was. There is a generational point, but Don Manuel, for example, was a good father, and I think that their their parents were better than they are. I think they are the ones that are, are very controlling and not letting their kids hang out with the people they want to hang out with and not letting them date who they want to date. I yeah, think they're, yeah. they're worse parents than their parents were. <laughs> yeah, no, no. I, and this comes back to what I said. Uh, Franco is times more conservative. There were more conservative times than 19... 19- 20s or i would say perhaps maybe yeah the late 1890s you know it's not like it was always conservative and slowly getting progressive there were waves and mm-hmm. franco times is a big is a big like fallback and like yeah like strictness so also, i think that's what he's saying as well interesting to see the youth because they they don't want to really respect the elderly you know they want to do their own thing and, and right a, and a I funny think moment Kaka, well, Pac okay, is, yeah. the, is the antithesis of that, but there's a funny moment where yes. um, one of the young girls kind of says, oh, this railing's falling apart, just get a new one. And one of the older guys is kind of like, we can't just replace these old things. We need to have respect for Paca, them. Yeah. You know? yeah, and well, that's, that's what I mean. Packer represents her. She's the only old, old generation left. And But she also, she kind of doesn't uh, take it seriously, but she does go to her grandmother and shows her some love, but then she immediately also does the same thing again when, when the grandma is finished, you know, it's kind of like saying like these young ones, they're going to, they should break. That's why I get Vallejo say, I think Vallejo wants the young generation to break that bloody staircase. Excuse me for cursing. You can also bleep that part out, but you know what I mean? They want to, you know, that staircase and, and sure that staircase <laughs> has to go. The staircase is the antagonist really. Yeah, well, at is. the same time, maybe not. Maybe the staircase is a friend who's trying. I think to their whole world is the uh, is the antagonist. You're right. Like I, they want to escape, but I don't think they do. Like yeah. maybe it's sad of me, and I'm the dreamer. But I I think that the these two kids grew up and and die in the same apartment that their parents did. All right. Okay. Well, look, that's that. You see, it's open to interpretation. And Vallejo starts off with that not very nice quote. I think. Uh, very Hobbian view of a wolf eating wolf. Uh, sorry, man uh, is wolf to man. He starts off with that thing, but I wonder at the end is there hope in Vallejo? And I'd love to read more plays of it. You've read Foundation. You guys can tell us what you think is the ending, but I, I think it's an open ending, and I think there is hope for um, humanity. Uh, there should be hope. I mean, it's this is written in 1949. To be fair, he didn't know that Frank was going to live that long, that mm. this conservative Spain was going to last so long. You know, um, no one knew that. It's like the it's like the East Berlin Wall. They didn't, you know, they didn't know it was going to end. You just don't know that. In hindsight, you can say, okay, it, it was a bit premature to expect that things would change in 1949 or, or yeah. 1950. But I think it's got an open ending. And the fact, there are a few reasons why I think this. It's, it's first of all, it is the daughter, the way she behaves, by wanting to break the staircase. And it is, um, yeah, I think that's the main reason. It's also the fact that the um, Fernando observes the story from an outside perspective. He observes that these parents are stuck in a loop, whereas the original Fernando never saw the loop. I mean, he didn't see the loop. So I think there is perspective and there is also willingness to really break things. And sometimes to break things is good. Mm. I think there's hope. So I, I think there is, I think this is a contrast to the beginning. Very negative. I think it's got a positive ending. But okay. it's very open to interpretation. I just kind of thought we're going in circles. But, you know, you never know. Yeah, yeah. I think that's... No, no. And I think it's... That's, that's it, why right? it's a great ending. It's, it's really, you can't tell. Um, you, can really pin, you can really pinpoint down the way he says it. He says they're an illusioned group, they're, that they're disillusioned, not disillusioned, that they're an eluded and erroneous group of kids. So if you nit point at the vocab, sometimes it seems to suggest more the loop theory of Dean, mm-hmm. whereas I think the actions of Act 3 uh, depict more um, kind of courageous ending. Okay. Well, look, Anyway, final thoughts is, is I don't think it's as good as The Foundation, but I think it's, it's, a, it's a good play. He is a, an amazing playwright, and I also would like to read yeah. some more of his at some point. Um, although for yeah, now, we're going to gonna get stuck into some, some Greek plays first. Oh, yeah.
Oh, yeah, we're going to go all Greek, guys. Guys, so we've gone on about this a long time. I think it's a long episode, but it's just a great um, play. Really delight watching it, and I hope it becomes... Um, I hope it's not just produced in Japan, but everywhere. It's Just check it out if you can, or check out any of his plays. Antonio Buero Vallejo. All right. Historia de una escalera. That's it. I, have a nice day. It's not a Shakespearean day. I don't know what... To... Look, have a have a Vejohonian day, I suppose, right? Have a Vejohonian day, or maybe not. I don't think that's the best kind of day. I think they uh, don't. They don't want it. Yeah. Um, just don't break uh, staircases. That's the that's the yeah. That's don't the spend message. your whole life on a staircase. Okay, that's us. Ciao. <laughs> <laughs> See you.